listening to The 11th Hour, a show about Rancid. I'm Sam Melancon of Debacle Records. And I'm Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. Each week we alternate p- picking a song and uh, discussing all our feelings about that song. A lot of times we talk about complicated feelings. I think this week they won't be all that complicated. <laughs> but uh, uh, this week the pick was mine. I picked Axiom off of uh, Rancid 2000. So, uh, this is our second time talking about Rancid 2000, also known as Rancid 5. And actually, in my like memory, the thing they were trying to make happen at the time was Rancid Rancid, because that was like the URL they got for Rancid. Was, oh, really? Like, RancidRancid.com. And that, that album oh. was, you know, Rancid by Rancid. So, a lot of people at the time called it Rancid Rancid. Oh. Um, but now I think it's just Rancid 2000, everybody. Interesting. Uh, and every once in a while you see Rancid 5. Yeah. But, um... Uh, it's hard, you know. I don't know how much we want to make this episode be like the our like summation of this record, but it, you gotta kind of talk about this record a little bit before we talk about the song, which right. is it's a very strange record. It's a it's a record that stands alone, right in the middle of their discography. Um, that nothing else sounds like it. I like nothing else I've ever come across truly sounds like this weird little record. Um. And diving back into it, it's like, God damn it, this record is so good. Like, yeah, it is, it is just so phenomenal. And it's funny because I remember viscerally that this was released on um, August 1st of 2000. Um, the, you know, it was produced, but very famously, it was produced by Brett Gerowitz as like a um, return to form a little bit because he hadn't done the last two as a main producer. Right. Uh, but I remember the lead up to this and I remember the release so viscerally. And it's funny that right now this week in Seattle, we're having like, you know, the reason people move to Seattle is because they come here in certain times and they go, well, this place is heaven. And it's when it's at max 82, the mornings are like 67 and it's bright and lush and amazing. And it has this kind of crisp morning, but you know, it's going to get hot. And we have the weird thing. Cause we're so North. We're like, it gets hot at four you know what i mean like it doesn't get hot at noon it gets hot at four because our nights are so long and um i have such a visceral memory of going to work and going to school i was in high school and driving around this summer and kind of being overwhelmed by this record that at first i thought i was like not gonna like at all and then being like, this might be one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. And kind of <laughs> constantly talking to friends who are into rants and being like, this is really good, right? You know, and like yeah. my girlfriend at the time, we just, I just remember us being kind of blown away by it. And it's funny that I'm kind of doing this this sort of, I'm having a very similar weather and time of year period. And re-listening it to this week, I just was like, I can I can see like my hand out the window of my car listening to like I really can yeah like it's like it was like it all came rushing back and I was just like man do I associate 
uh, a really good Seattle summer moment, um, you know, for the, you know, most of the time we're somehow avoiding it, but most of the time last five years, it's been smoke and too hot, but, um, right now it's clear and beautiful and, and, and it's just, it's all rushing back right. <laughs> and it's really making me remember how, like, I don't know how to completely sum it up, but like, I was like, well, the, I feel different now. You know what I mean? Like, I this this feels like a stepping forward. This feels like a I don't know. It just it was such like a switch had been flipped about how I thought about Rancid, and um, that's interesting. And, yeah, I mean, my yeah, like my love for this record came way later because in two thousand Rancid, like I'm sure I heard it, I just didn't. I don't know. I wasn't super interested in rancid or anything at that like that was that was around the point i think in 2000 i'd started getting really into like the constellation record stuff like i was really into mm-hmm, godspeed mm-hmm. um and do make say think those were like that's like all i listened to mm-hmm. and so like this you know it didn't but then years later when i kind of i hate to say like it became a nostalgia thing because I, I mean, there's some of it, but I, I think it was less of a like. I think a lot of the rancid stuff for me is less a nostalgia thing and more of um, just kind of embracing like I like what I like and not shying away from that. Whereas you know, we, I mean, we kind of talked about this last time where it, you, especially like where we have ended up and getting like like into experimental music and all that stuff like for at some point and maybe there still is and i'm just less aware but it, like it would talking about being like really into something like rancid was like really not cool like people would be like yeah, you know absolutely. And, um, and 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 we kind of talked about that's how we met and apparently that's how josh mason and i met was because i would talk about fucking rancid on twitter and kanye west and still you know my still hot take is that 808s and heartbreak is like far and away the best kanye rest record he will ever make and it's one of the greatest records of the last 20 years but anyway this isn't a Kanye West podcast um but so yeah when like you know it was like mid to late probably 2000s um and I started listening to Rancid again and you know kind of getting back into it so I, that's when this record it was just like I was like whoa how did I miss like how did I miss this when it came out like I you know I, and again I'd heard it and the only thing I remembered from it is like a joke that my friend John and I made about like uh, there's not much to bring up when we talk about something but on it's quite alright like mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember him and I I think we were, it was like through AOL instant message or something like we were talking on there because he, he lived in funny enough he lived in Seattle at the time he'd moved there mm-hmm. and and I don't know if it was 99 or 2000 that I came to Seattle in the late summer it was Whenever, whenever Radiohead played at the Gorge, so when did when, mm, I was there? Yeah, well, I flew up there to hang out with John and go to that show. Um, that was that's I think that was two thousand. Well, I don't know when did Kid A come out. I don't know. Anyway, two thousand. Yeah, no, it was it was that summer, same summer. We're talking about that. Same okay, summer. so that's that's wild. I was in Seattle that summer, yeah. um, but I remember we were listening to it. Or maybe it was when I was there. I don't know. But it's the the, li- the lines beginning. It's like, all we are is pretend. And we both looked at each other, and John was like, 
did he just say all we are is potatoes? And <laughs> and we listened to him and like for the longest time, you know, and in two thousand you couldn't just easily like get on the internet mm-hmm. and find lyrics. And it was just like what the? so like that lyric to me, I still think it's all we are is potatoes. I know it's not, but <laughs> it's actually a very good line. Oh, it is. It's a great line, but like you're after we do this, like go back and listen to it and just it kind of sounds like he says, all we are is And anyway, so that was like my first memory. Like that's all I remembered about Rancid 2000 was all we are is potatoes. Do you know what? I don't know how to react to that, but uh, do you know what? It's actually really good to hear because this was like the height, like probably the, the like downslope of my, I love Hellcat. I love everything that Tim does. I'm a fanboy. I'm on the website very often. You know, like I want to see what the next record is. Right. You know, I'm I'm checking weekly the epitaph release schedule. You know, like I was, like I said, I very idealized it and kind of knew it wasn't great, but still kind of had this like, man, when they're great, they're really great. You know, and um, you know, sing, sing not sing sing death house. The first Distiller Records was around this time, and all this stuff. Like it really felt like they were firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And, and because of that perfect summer of listening to it, this sort of year-long quest to see them play, and I actually ended up going to Colorado to try to see them play. And then, uh, someday I'll tell the story of that of like we they started the first song, and then in Lightning and uh, Warp Tour was canceled, um, and I almost died on the way home. Uh, it, like I remember this chunk, two thousand to two thousand one, was a very weird point in my life. And I remember just this was the constant soundtrack. And so to hear you come back to it kind of with these like older eyes that has, you know, went further into right. the scene that, that we're in and all these things. And you're getting deep on post-rock and weird ambient and all sure, this noise right, music right. is happening. And you're still like, wow, this record rips, you know, is um, kind of validating because it's so tied to the nostalgia of it, you know. Yeah, um, well, and that, and and you know, when we started this, like from, and I've talked about this, like for me, it was let's go, out come the wolves, and this were like the only three rancid records I really cared about or thought about, mm-hmm. and like obviously in these last however many months, like, I'm life won't wait is I'm fucking obsessed with it, um, but yeah, I mean this record to like. It, it's very validating to this idea that Rancid's not, you know, because we, you know, we this existential question of why Rancid, why are we talking about the fact that they made this record? It's they're not just one of those other, just one of those bands. They're not just one of those epitaph yeah. bands or those like East Bay band. Like there's, they have something else that nobody else does. They have something else that nobody else does that they were discovering five records in yes, for their career. Exactly. Like that's what's wild. They they flipped the script and said, Let's do something completely different than Life Away, which is my other probably secret favorite, you know, mm-hmm. um, record. It's not very secret. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've only been talking about it for like fifteen episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's weird to say I right? know. like and Outcome the Wolves I love. It's just not as in my DNA, you know. Um but it is. I don't yeah, know, it's yeah. hard. Uh, but like, um, they do life won't wait, which is the exact opposite of this record. And then they go, fuck it. Yeah. We're going to make the, you know, and I think there's some, I don't know if it's hagiography or whatever, but like some idea that 
they basically did this record where they would do seven times through the record and they just picked the best takes and it was all live. Yeah. And it sounds like it. Absolutely. They've never, like, Matt's never sounded better than this record. This record is basically a Matt record. Um, uh, I would uh, argue Tim's vocals, this is like his best vocal performance. It is the best vocal performance. It's the weirdest combination of, like, it felt like they were writing the songs 10 seconds before right. playing them. Like, where the most high-minded Tim and just rancid lyrics ever and the most immediate, almost primal scream mm-hmm. level, like, dumbass, like, like, rattlesnake and poison and all these things. But I, for some reason, it comes across as art. Yeah. You know, like, it comes across as, like, you know, I was thinking about people talking about, like, oh, whatever on the Oko, you know, like... Yoko Ono stuff like uh, you know with the John was doing primal scream therapy or whatever you know like it almost feels like that where right. they were like they were doing like some sort of a, um what is the writing where you just like write whatever comes to mind you know right um, yeah 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 you know it feels like something was going on where they were just like fuck it good enough it gets the idea across and he would like combine these things that were super high minded and super just stupid and like spitting at somebody and, I, and but I th- and I think that's what but I think like that's there's like a genius in that and oh i I think it's like accidentally some of the highest art right too uh yeah no i mean it's you know uh, visceral is one of my favorite words but like you look like if you look visceral up in the like punk rock dictionary like this record is i mean because it it, it's just the whole thing and and a lot of the lyrical content a lot of the performance i mean it has this feeling uh, it's just like it it's grating but in a really great it's way. So <laughs> like, how catchy it is. Yeah. It is their catch. It's their most consistently catchy. I mean, so too. even this song, so, I mean, there's barely any, I mean, Axiom, yeah. so, I mean, to me, like, the entire purpose of this song's existence is for Matt to just go off. He's like, I haven't had a super <laughs> guitar, uh, bass solo in it since Maxwell, so let me like and, go nuts. And even, yeah, and even like, I mean, there's an actual bass solo, but even just the not bass solo part, it's just a bass solo. I mean, it's all driven. It's, it, the whole record, the whole song is just like this driving. And it's line. amazing. And it's like, you know, and it. Well, it's such a cool. So the reason I picked this is like thinking about weird structures, songs, you know, that. Like, yeah. This is the weirdest song. This is kind of almost two songs strapped together they're like two half ideas strapped together and it in the context of the record which again sequencing is ridiculous on this record Mm -hmm. the second half of this record is one of the best runs of songs you'll ever hear in your life but so is the front half so i don't know (laughs) what to do like but like it is literally wild how good the back half of this record is and this one kind of slips in the middle of everything i i really associate with the song before it and the song after it but um What's so cool is there's like, this record does this a lot where it's like, at its core, it's kind of this, like it to me it sounds like um, a soundtrack. Like it sounds like it's a soundtrack to a to a, like a car chase. Yeah. Right. Like it's got this like, and you it really could have just been an instrumental. Like it's so dynamic, and almost um, call and response between the guitar and the bass. You know, and and it's got this kind of you know like a lot of songs on this record like it kind of boils down to this rockabilly like country song hoedown thing that that this whole record structure seems to be kind of playing with like if you did a d-beat version of that uh it's like d-beat rockabilly you know which is like i don't know what to do with that but um yeah 
but yeah, he has this incredible guitar uh, bass solo. I don't know what's going on. Uh, bass solo, and he's just shredding, but shredding for the whole song too. Like, oh, the solo, but God, it's in- it, he's going nuts. But then also Lars comes right with one of the most passionate, fun, over the top. You know, like it's a Lars Lars acted tough song for sure. Right. I mean, it literally has got a gun and a knife looking back at you. But it's which is but what a hook. But the, the, the melody the got a gun and a knife. Like he does that weird like thing where he goes up, and it's like so catchy. His vocals are so good. Yeah, and and it's like that's this incredible little song tacked onto the back half. It's like oh no, it's not over. And they're I think they're like of equal length, are they not? Like they're it's, it's like close. The, the yeah, instrumental part is like almost half the song, and then like. I don't know, man. Like, there's something so cool. Also, how often do you associate Lars and Matt writing a track together? I, I believe this is just all of them wrote it, but like, but it's like a Lars and Matt track, really. I mean, that's so yeah. it's like there's not many of those out there. right? No, I can't think. Of, I mean, I don't know if I can think of any other ones. Well, and, you know, just kind of talking about Lars in this record. It's so obviously Tim is way more front and center on this record than he like where I feel like Out in the Wolves and Life Won't Wait. It's a lot more evenly split. I mean, I. It yeah, always kind of leans a little more Tim, but it's really closer to 50-50 on this. But this is like 70-30 or more. Um, but Lars but l- Right, but every all of <laughs> Lars' vocal performance... So, like, Life Won't Wait is kind of like the Lars record in a weird way, because I feel like that's... Where, yeah. But this, at least, like, from a vocal perspective uh, standpoint, is, is, like, the best Lars. Like, every song where he is doing the lead vocals... It's just so good, like it's so intense, and it like it, it's painful to hear like that because he's got that like kind of grit in his voice. He's really but screeching, but it's so like, melodic, and like he hits every note. It's it's the best vocal takes. This record in general is the best vocal takes for the band. It has the best, I think, the best, best Matt vocals. Um, Ooh, no, I don't. I know that you don't probably don't I, agree. With I, that, but I, I, I find I, like those two songs like the, I skip them every time. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> can't do it on this. Yeah, episode, but uh, Black Every Jacket is one of my favorite Francis songs uh, ever. Uh, but like the thing that's also really interesting is I think this song and then. Um, like so, you always when I think back to this record, I know we're being very like holistic about this record, but Axiom's a, hunt, a minute forty. Like there's right. not a lot there other than it fucking rips and it and it is just one of the best you know two minutes Bef- of your before life. Before you, you know? get into the rest, of the, I just wanted to put this out there. Like, is there yeah. anyone who other than maybe like Les Claypool who does more bass solos than Matt Freeman in <laughs> in like popular culture? Yeah. yeah, like it's like it's like Rush and Primus and it's all these. Yeah, right? but like, 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 and nobody who plays like music like this does. I mean, I mean, you know, like, I mean, like Mike Dirt is a really good is, bass player, yeah, but he doesn't do solos. And, yeah. and then all the songs are written around bass on, on no effects. You know, Fat Mike's kind yeah. of like a bassist singer. I'm not saying you have to like right, it. Right? No, but like, yeah, 
it is very like bass heavy and bass I mean, driven in, in a very similar way. I mean, there's like Godhead Silo, which is just bass and drums. Yeah, it was just bass drums. <laughs> but but awesome. none of those uh, guys could, like it. Just yeah. Anyway, well, it, it goes back. This record goes back to that idea of Rancid is a lead bassist and two rhythm. Yeah, and the, this is that. For sure. The other thing I would say about, and I'm totally like stealing your thunder here. So, so no, no, you're um, I think this is an. Uh, we we haven't talked about this. We were I was going to talk about it last time, but we've talked about shit other shit too much. <laughs> Brett Reed is so fucking underrated. He is such a good drummer. Like he he he's playing a hundred miles an hour on this record, and it to me like that's what holds everything together. Like it, um, it. I think they're a really good rhythm. Oh I, yeah, sure. and like, but he is so like just. It's he has this weird thing where he's like he's super like on point and can, and just nails it, but there's also this sort of kind of like freedom in his playing. Like it doesn't feel like he doesn't. I don't know. Like I, I feel like feels like he's very self taught. Yeah, you know, like it, it feels like and it, like, but he's got a sense of time and a sense of like he's very like punching the drums, but like when he needs to switch it up he'll switch it up yeah i feel totally, i you know I, I think him leaving the band was is a much bigger deal than people even i think that i really you know it's i don't know a lot of it, there's a lot of people you think it's like well it's a drummer like what well, you know but um there are certain drummers in certain bands that it just you know i mean this is the the first example that comes to mind is like when Jimmy Chamberlain was out of Smashing Pumpkins for a while. Like it just doesn't work. Like Jimmy Chamberlain is like, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so I I just wanted to give a shout out to Brett Reed. No, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this record is a great, especially the like liveness of this, whether or not it was true mm-hmm. live or semi live. Like, there's something about his playing that adds a texture that a more on point player, a more traditionally like guitar center player <laughs> that is Brandon uh, does not yeah does not bring what you know and and when we say it's really good it might be he's bad but he's good you know like in general it has that same thing of a lot of the music we listen to where the ecstatic tone of the player comes through regardless of technique right you know or yeah. not be, not even like despite of or regardless but because of their technique is whatever that's unique to them they might not be as technically good, but you know, I actually think he is pretty interesting oh. in his range. You know, like, right? Well, I mean, that was you know, I don't know if I mentioned this on or off air, quote unquote. But my my buddy John was telling me when he saw them, it was shortly after I think Brandon joined the band, and how Brandon just like his the way he played the ska songs, like it just was it he couldn't do it the way that Brett did it. Do on beat, yeah, exactly. I think Brett has a lot more playing into weird pockets and mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and um, and then can do these, like, you know, I wonder how much this was Brett being like, Life of Way was fun, but I just want to, like, shred sure. for a little while. Yeah, you know, right. Because uh, you have to have him on board for this record to work, right? Like, he, these songs are so fast, yeah. you know, and I guarantee they didn't write them this fast, you know, when they were writing them. They were just trying to get them to this level of speed, you know what I mean? And you have to have your drummer ready for that, you know, so... Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's it. I think there's a real difference between him and not him for sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, I just the biggest thing is 
this this album is so hard to separate into component parts. I think that's one of the, t- the problems I've had mm-hmm. picking a song because picking Young Al Capone makes me want to talk about, uh, like I don't know, reconciliation or Black Hawk Down and how they're kind of related or like, you know, like like I, I want to talk about Rwanda, but that makes me also want to talk about uh, yeah, Radio Havana. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, like how those feel similar and like. it's such an interesting crystal like parts of a whole thing and well axiom is kind of this footnote in the in this you know the only place it comes up when you do google searches around it is it's obviously like kind of a high water mark for amateur bases to play to show that they can play right like that's the only thing you find out there right i guess people trying to nail the solo like it's kind of become like the other maxwell murder in that and and that's it that's like like people do not really you know there's not a lot to care about this song but like i think if you envision like some dirt track car chase yeah just like b movie you know thing and then you have this like post-apocalyptic like fight yeah like that urban alienation our favorite his they're one of their favorite yeah exactly and and like i don't know like i i think in the past we've talked a lot about in a weird way this record is their most experimental even though it's also in a lot of ways very conservative right (laughs) i think this is a great example of that like the fact that they just greenlit the song that's like right all right matt you're gonna do a minute bass solo and then lars (laughs) is gonna come in with this incredible hook that's about guns and knives he's got this he's got this like half an idea for song you've got this bass Riff. let's just put them together kind of do this you know yeah this like soundtrack sort of thing and let's go you know and it's just uh it's such a cool little yeah you know it's fine we've been finding different pockets of where they push you know what i mean and i think this is i think so one of them, yeah like trying to find a new angle on what they do you know um because as we've discovered and talked about like there's an edge to what all you know four and you know, five now of them can do together right it seems like there's an edge but like they were finding a lot in the moment of this record it found like they were finding completely new voices right. completely new oh raisings like you know out of out of out of nowhere you know that many years into their career you know yeah i mean and that's uh, like i always love this too and this i mean i just i'm a big fan of when bands do this in general where it's like all right, we've you know we've done this one thing like we did life won't wait like outcome the wolves life won't wait they were like really successful and like people you know da, 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 and now we're gonna just say fuck all that and <laughs> like totally do something different that no one's gonna expect and and, what's, and they pull it off I mean they, it, pulling it off is another you know I mean if you do it and it's you know terrible like if it was yeah exactly. let the dominoes fall or something it's like well fuck <laughs> okay go back. And it's so interesting because you think that it, you know in, in some level you're like oh they're gonna do like let's go or mm-hmm. or the first self-title this sounds nothing like those records you know what i mean like no it's, they're playing at speed in this really gnarly way which you'd think they've done that before they play that at really high speeds really ripping sort of garage sort of tones but instead they they somehow found this other whole speed this other whole lane to sit in on the sort of very fast and the, and you know we, we get you know everything's a hoedown on this record right. sort of <laughs> like like that weird like crust punk hoedown yeah and, it's you know whatever 
was like a completely new lane that came out of nowhere, you know, and it just, um, and, but then the fact that then, then you add it, cause I mean, we've talked about this a lot, how like Tim, especially, but even like they, they're, I mean, they're really good, like almost like pop songwriters. I, I mean, like they have, yeah. Okay. And that's still here. Like that, yeah. It's like somehow the catchiest thing. Ever. Yeah, even even the like you know, like even like a song like Rattlesnake, which is just like, but yeah, it yeah. gets stuck in my head all the time. Like Meteor War, Rattlesnake, uh, like like uh, Dead Bodies. Oh are god, some of the yeah. Catchiest song. That chorus and they're dead like bodies they're basically is... just yeah, it's ridiculous. But it's basically them like, you know, as like a crust punk band screaming about the end of the world, right. you know, for two minutes, and you would not expect it to be so catchy yeah but it is it's super catchy. It is, yeah like and that's and i and it's it's another one of those things that just kind of sets it apart from anything else vaguely in this zone percent yeah it's so much more of a pleasurable listen for being such a blackened darkened you right. know kind of gut level you know punch of a record you know like it it still is like well, this also might be their most fun record. Yeah, by like leaps and <laughs> right. bounds, even though it's all just about hate and and you know, kind of these 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 sort of almost sci-fi level like scenes of destruction right. and, and media manipulation, and you know, it feels very like um like an anti-fascist record, and you know, like it yeah, feels but, like it fits right within Discharge and all those. I mean, that's kind of the other thing too is like, a, and we talked about this a little. Let me go, but I mean, this whole record feels. You know, it's 22 years old, but it feels very current. <laughs> yeah, yeah, depressingly current, yeah. for sure. So, so that's all. yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of meaning in this song, but there's a lot of interesting choices being made. Yeah. And it's also, like, one of those ones where you remember it and you go, it'd be really good if everybody listened to this because yeah. I don't think it gets its due for how wonky and weird it is and how much of a fucking, like, ripper it is. Yeah. You know, just how, like... yeah fun this song is so awesome yeah i um, know i i yeah any any opportunity to talk about rancid 2000 i'm in i'm in <laughs> um okay so you all seem to like our guest episode so much that we uh we're gonna do another one next time uh, but it's not gonna be we're gonna have a new guest and is uh jeff tobias who is in the band sun watchers and he also had a fantastic solo album out earlier this year and as everybody seemingly I know, I we got to know each other on Twitter because I started talking about Rancid. That's like my calling card. I don't know why I bother doing anything else. Um, but so Jeff, his pick, we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to our favorite space of Life Won't Wait, <laughs> and we're gonna talk about Life Won't Wait. Whoa! And all the weird, That's a big one, oh, conspiracy yeah, theory shit. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a risky one. But uh, can I tell you something insane? Yeah. Uh, I've seen Jeff a lot on Twitter. Um, I checked out his solo thing. I was like, oh, this is cool, and he always seems nice and kind of engaged with you and and now with me. Uh, so it seems like he liked Rancid and. Uh, Sunwatchers is one of my favorite bands in the planet. Oh, wow. Like, deeply, and I had no clue. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeff. Like, somehow I missed that connection and just was like, this guy's cool. I 
was heartbroken when they either canceled or they were here like down the street from me in a weird place that Nova's never plays. Oh man. Anybody ever plays that and I missed it or and I think I was going to miss it and it was canceled or something <laughs> because of COVID or something. Right. Um that's like a top 10 last 10 years band. For me. Oh wow. That's and it awesome. makes so much sense that he like <laughs> me. Like that's that's the energy. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about pulling rants, I want to I have so many questions now because the whole idea of how do you pull rancid into modern, more interesting music is the is, answer is Sun Watchers. I think Sun Watchers <laughs> does a very good job of that. So like, that's awesome. Oh my god, that you just made my day. That's great. I, I feel so silly for not. That's really great. Well, so yeah, everybody join us next week when Sam's going to be starstruck, and <laughs> I'll be just. I'll just be a gape. I'll just. Be, yeah. That's fantastic. Awesome. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Find us on twitter and instagram at rancid pod and hey give us give us some five star ratings somewhere i don't know i don't know how that works i think by the way we should do like an episode in a few weeks of any feedback so like let's start asking for like yeah. some real feedback yeah dm us on on either one of those services or um uh we really should probably we probably that. should we'll <laughs> but at the very least on either Instagram or Twitter feel free to DM us some feedback good bad or otherwise and we I'd love to address it and like have a have a little mailbag session yeah so until once we get let's basically say once we get we get like an episode worth of mailbag questions just keep we'll, hitting uh, us up and we'll well yeah so just just hit us up until we get a, enough and we'll we'll do an episode yeah and maybe by next time next week we'll have an email address set up so we can give you that too you know, maybe we'll get we're only six. We're only sixteen episodes in. We don't have an email address. All right, <laughs> we're professionals. Um, all right, I will uh, talk to you later. Sam. See ya. <laughs>